As you turn there, let me just say, let me just confess that the more I've studied this verse and meditated on it, the more inadequate I feel in expounding on it. There is so much weight and truth to this one verse. And it is overwhelming. This evening, I want us to take a few minutes to turn our face to the cross so that we can appreciate and meditate on what Christ has done for us. If you want to understand what Christ has done for you, we must do so with a vision of who Jesus Christ is. To look upon his face with a biblical vision, as Pastor Phil talked about this past Sunday, as you search the scriptures to seek out Jesus Christ, he will captivate you and transform you. And the more you will be conformed to his image and to his holiness. Look at verse 21 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we look at this one verse, I want to begin by asking you this question. How can a just God love a sinner like you and me? How can a just God love a sinner like you and me? Let me put it this way. How can a perfect, righteous, holy, just God acquit guilty and condemned sinners like you and me? Have you considered that? If you want to understand what Christ did for you, you must first understand who God is. And in order to understand who God is, you must, we must study his attributes. And one of his attributes is his justice. He is just. And because he's absolutely just, God is consistent in rewarding moral good and punishing moral evil. Why? Because God is the moral standard. He is unchanging in that he consistently acts in accordance with his being, with his character, and with his promises. If God is just, he cannot forgive you. Think about that. If God is just, he cannot forgive you. He cannot let sin go unpunished. And therein lies the greatest moral dilemma. If God is just, he should have destroyed Adam and Eve when they first committed that sin in the Garden of Eden. Because of one sin, the entire human race 
and creation was condemned. The fact that we are alive and breathing, taking this next breath, is only by the grace of God. It is a miracle. He should have destroyed you and me when we were first born. As David says in Psalms, in sin I was conceived. Why? Because justice for evil and sin demands a price, a payment, a satisfaction. And in this case, the payment should be your life. The only way that we could be forgiven is if someone else or something else could take our place, the perfect sacrifice, without blemish, without spot, something better, something greater. But you might say, wait, isn't God love? Isn't his love more important? God is love, and God's love is perfect. But listen, my friend, God cannot give love at the expense of his holiness or justice. He is perfect in his character in all his ways. He is love, and he is just. So how can you be forgiven, and how can you be reconciled to a holy God when we are so defiled? Well, Paul tells us in this one verse how a good and just God could reconcile us to himself. He who knew no sin became sin for you. Think about that. He who knew no sin became sin for you. Christ, who was perfect and in a right standing with God, who was perfect in love, in obedience, undefiled, pure, holy, obedient, became the object of God's wrath. We were the ones who deserved the judgment, right? We were condemned. We were separated. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We deserved his eternal and severe wrath. He didn't deserve it. We did. He didn't deserve it. You did. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see, if God did not love you, then he would not have provided a way for his justice to be satisfied. And that way was Jesus Christ. Friends, if this doesn't break your heart, if this doesn't turn your face to the cross and make you run and fall down on your knees with humility and gratitude, then, dear friends, I don't know what more can be said. He who knew no sin became sin for you. 
So what happened when Christ died for us on that cross? Well, in order to understand this truth, we must understand the doctrine of justification. In order to appreciate what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. So let's look at that for a few minutes. Justification is the event by which God objectively and legally declares a person righteous. Righteous means that you are in a right standing with God. Because of what Christ did, we are legally declared right with God. We are justified. Our sins were placed upon Christ, and he was treated as though he was guilty. When he said, it is finished, he meant it. He died for our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. He died for all our sins. Consider this. In the life of Christ, there was never a moment, a second in his life, where he sinned, where he did not have perfect communion, a perfect relationship with his Father, where he did not love him perfectly. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Christ did that. There has never been a moment in your life or in my life where you and I could say that we have not sinned, where we have loved God, where we've had perfect communion and a perfect relationship, where we've loved him as we ought. It was God who condemned his only son so that we could have a right standing with him. Jesus Christ drank the cup placed before him and it was full of God's wrath. And it crushed him. It crushed him. Yet he drank all of it. Down to the very dregs, not a single drop remained. And not only that, but it pleased God to crush him. Why? Because a holy and righteous God cannot, will not allow that which is vile and wretched and evil in his presence. This is the God we serve. But understand this. He desired to have a relationship with you. He wanted you in his presence. And for this reason, we were spared. Because God did not spare his only son. For this reason, we were spared because of the fact that he did not spare his son. Let me make something clear. The basis of your right standing with God is not because of your character or your works or your privilege. 
It is all on account of Christ. He is enough. Christ is enough. It was his virtuous life, and it was his obedience. When God sees us, he sees Christ's perfect record. Remember I had said that justification is a legal declaration where God declares us right with him. But there's another part, just as important, and we must not forget this. He not only declares us right with him, but he treats us as being right with him. He treats us as being right with him. We are now in a right standing with God, and we are treated as having a right standing, even though you and I still live in this fallen world. Jesus was treated as if he were a sinner, even though he was perfectly holy and pure, fully God, yet fully man. And we were treated as if we were righteous, even though we were defiled and depraved. So now when God looks upon you, he does not see a worthless sinner, but he sees his own son. And it is his righteousness righteousness that covers us and our sins. And therein lies the greatest news, that those who believe in Jesus Christ have received eternal life, reconciliation, communion with God the Father. We can enter into his presence And we can look upon his face with favor and grace, not as filthy rags, but as clothed in righteousness because of Jesus Christ. Amen? We can sing with confidence in Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that Christ, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Do you see how we owe everything to Christ? Everything. We are slaves to him. We are no longer ours. Our life belongs to him. Friend, let let me ask you this. Do you know this God? Is he real in your life? Do you understand what Christ has done for you? How he saved you? If you want to know this God, the Bible says you must be born again. You must be reconciled. And this reconciliation comes only by acknowledging and believing in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the sacrifice of Christ, you can receive unmerited and unearned grace by God. It is only when justice is satisfied 
and the penalty of your sins paid through Christ, that God can freely pardon you. You are no longer an unworthy sinner. You are counted innocent. This, dear friends, is the gospel. Do you see that? This is the truth that will set you free. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. If we truly understood this one truth, we would be rejoicing, running up and down this aisle, jumping, shouting, praising God at every possible moment that he would save a person like you and me. I hope that you would meditate on this, that you would see a vision of Christ as you have never seen before, where you are motivated to seek his holiness in light of who he is and what he has done for you. In closing, I want to share with you something that was written by a Puritan. His name was John Flavel. Flavel imagined a conversation between God the Father and the Son which took place in eternity past. Consider these words, my friends. Meditate on them. And meditate on the work of our Lord and Savior. It is called the Father's Bargain. Here you may suppose the Father to say, when driving his bargain with Christ for you, The Father. My son, here is a company of poor, miserable souls that have utterly undone themselves and now lie open to my justice. Justice demands satisfaction for them or will satisfy itself in the eternal ruin of them. What shall be done for these souls? The son replies, O oh, my father, such is my love too and pity for them that rather than they shall perish eternally, I will be responsible for them as their guarantee. Bring in all thy bills that I may see what they owe thee. Lord, bring them all in that there may be no after reckonings with them at my hand shall thou require it. I will rather choose to suffer thy wrath than they should suffer it. Upon me, my father, upon me be all their debts. And the father responds, But my son, if thou undertake for them, thou must reckon to pay the last might. Expect no abatements. Abatement, a lessening or a reduction. Expect no abatements. If I spare them, I will not spare thee. And the son replies, 
content, Father. Let it be so. Charge it all upon me. I am able to discharge it. And though it prove a kind of undoing to me, though it impoverish all my riches, empty all my treasures, yet I am content to undertake it. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Let us pray.